Um, I'm going to just kick it off then. And I am going to, if you want to, Lorna, I think we should maybe start with that question. Um, because I think that's quite a good question. And I think there's a few people on stage now that could definitely answer that for you. So do you want to fire away with it again? Yeah, um, I think it, it it's why um, should you sort of look for investment to grow your business? I have, I started my business last year and it's um, grown probably large enough that uh, I need to, you know, employ some people or, or take the next step and scale it forwards. And I suppose it's whether, how do you make that decision, whether you, you know, spend a longer length of time at it you know perhaps and you know scale it yourself without investment or you go ahead and um seek uh, investment externally and i just wanted to hear people that have done it sort of point of view of, of what they think you should do and and what's the benefits who wants, who wants to take to... that one i think harrison you could be the perfect guy for this question i'm going to throw you under the bus uh, yeah, cheers. Um, so for me personally, I need an investment, first of all, for work and capital. And second of all, I was quite heavily working in my business rather than on it. So uh, using the food business as an example, still doing a lot of the early morning deliveries. So like 3.30 get ups and then going in the kitchen and helping and helping like the accountants with bits. So I need an investment so I can get people in. So then I was able to work kind of on my business, helping to drive new leads and things like that. And I guess also it's kind of what are you, uh, what what's kind of like your your goal? If you you can have like if if you're not bothered about it taking a bit longer um, to build it up to that position, then yeah, don't go for the investment. But if you want it kind of a bit quicker and you want to be able to get out of working in your business quicker, then investment could be a good option. But also if you don't massively need the money. There's other ways of, of, of getting finance where you won't give away shares. Um, so there is definitely a fair few options, but mine was mainly to get out from in the business to allow myself to help um, grow it. Oh, great, thanks. Anybody else got any advice on that one for Lana? What would you say, Carol? Sorry, my phone just kicked into my car and I'm not even driving right. I'm not even driving it. That's a strange thing. Um, um what would I say? basically just just concurring with with what Harrison has said, it really needs to, you know, I would always say in terms of, you know, if you want you need investment is you know, look at your business model. What is your plan, right? So, um, Lorna, if I understand you, you know, you, you are you are the business now. At what stage did you say you wanted to get to? So, you know, do you have a, a two-year vision or a three-year? Or in my, you know, some businesses, a five-year objective to get to a certain turnover, a certain client base, etc. So, it's looking at okay what do i is it an investment that long term that's going to help me to get to that ultimate growth or is it that you know i you know i there's a niche in the market and i need to be able to to get to a certain point to deliver my service and i could do with some form of investment now it's depending on that whether you you go externally and look for um people that will fund and then i know we're going to be talking about how to pitch that or is it the case that you know what i've got some friends and family they believe in me and i need them to give me a few quid to help me you know to take what i'm doing to the next level hope that helps 
Yeah, that's it. It's 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 sort of, you know, in the whole entrepreneurial journey, I sort of feel like, you know, when you start your business, you're sort of leaping off a cliff and <laughs> sort of figuring out how to put your parachute together as you're <laughs> falling down. And then you finally, you know, learn how to swim. And then here comes another waterfall you're going to have to leap off again. So it's, do you employ people and um sort of, do you create infrastructure for you know scaling up first and then scale up or do you you know jump off the cliff again and then put the infrastructure around it and it's i suppose that's that's probably what would drive whether i need investment or not which which way you approach it so so another thing lorna you know you're in construction and let's say you're you're very process driven and and i'm going to you know, put this question to Hayley because she's had, you know, exactly that same experience in, 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 in shaping a business. And, you know, you know, as business leaders, it's always that challenge at the start to say, oh, if I get loads of people, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a great business. But it's actually understanding the process to then say, right, OK, does that process actually work? And is it can I support that process by using technology to automate it or do I need a bum on seat to be doing it so there's a lot in that whole kind of you know right in putting it all down and having a look at it that really really then gives you a bit more and I'll use Elliot Brown's clarity on what you need to do so uh Hayley what's your views yeah I think you're right there Carol I spent I was always reactive in my business, Lorna, and it probably wasn't the best way to do things. So I would wait until we were busy enough and stretched at the seams and then get people in. And that kind of quality process ruins itself a little bit and it makes things very, very stressful. However, the, the financial risk of putting an infrastructure in place before you get the funds to do it, I, I understand and I always thought that I went through a stage of about 12 months of being stressed constantly thinking, I need staff, I need more staff, I need more staff. And then I went down the technology route after listening to Carol on Clubhouse for the last 12 months. And it's automated so many parts of my business that even myself, some days, I find myself um, with not much to do. So I have more time to find new business or create new ideas and come out with more stupid ideas of, where I want to go next. So I do think your first step would be to automate as many processes as you can, um, which are far more inexpensive than um, than getting a bum on a seat. I hope that helps. No, that's great. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. No problem at all. Um, I can see that Alex and uh, David have joined us on stage. I'm going to come to you guys for your intro before we carry on the convo. So you're not sat there till the end waiting. Um, David, how are you doing? I'm very tired at the moment, if I'm completely honest. I'm shattered. Are we boring you? No, I'm just shattered in general. Um, but I'm all right. Um, uh, I forgot what, what I'm doing. I think I need more sleep is what I do need. But my name is David. Um, I'm a sales and business coach. So I work with two areas. I work with coaches, consultants and experts to get the frameworks and SOPs in place to get their knowledge into a paid process which is pretty seamless giving some of their time back but i also get brought into work with a lot of um, outbound phone-based sales teams um because i had a lot of experience in that side and we have a whole online platform that helps them become more effective and i literally just jumped onto clubhouse because i've got 16 minutes before my next client call so i saw you lovely lot in here so i thought i'd just drop in well lovely to have you here 
I hope you take some perlers away with you, David. Um, Alex? Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, so I'm in the middle of a, an investment raise at the moment. Um, I'm still working on my pitch deck, um, getting a few, uh, getting some feedback. Um, and then, yeah, so any feedback on that would be great or just getting listened to advice is quite good. Um, and yeah, we're also looking at using Cedars for like equity crowdfunding as well, because um, my company is a bit more like community based. Um, yeah, so. Oh, brilliant. Well, hopefully you can get some good advice today and you might be able to pick someone who will, um, you know, drop them a message and see if they will have a look at it for you and see how it reads and um, just give you a, a second eye, I suppose. But I'm going to popcorn around the stage because I do want to come over to Nichelle and understand um, where you're up to with this pitch deck and potentially then Alex can take away some uh, ideas of the importance of these uh, slide titles that you've got, etc. Nichelle, are you free? I am. Very happy to do that. Um, so... Uh power is in the network right so it's who you know so it's, it's good to get this so their recommendation is um you might need pens and paper if everyone's uh available to write stuff down their recommendation is 16 slides for the perfect pitch deck and um i can actually if you dm me alex i can send you the pdf um of it um but the first one is the cover well the first one is your your actual kind of book front cover if you like so put your, your business name in there and then, you know, maybe your, your tagline. Then you've got your cover slide. So your website, your social media hands, um, don't put dates on it uh, because obviously you'll need it for several, uh, especially for investment rounds. Um, use imagery rather than death by PowerPoint. You know, you don't want to put too much on all of these slides. And if you've got any partners who have won any awards, you know, you could put that on, that's effectively slide two. Then slide three is the impact slide. So it's a short, concise summary of what your mission is. And, you know, it should be culturally relevant and intriguing. Um, and remember that whoever you're pitching to might not know about um, whoever you're pitching to might not know your industry. So don't use any acronyms or jargon. Um, and then your standout elements, they've um, attributed those to five M's for mother. So uh, the investor would want to see upfront the momentum. So the traction, the revenue growth, month on month, KPIs, the market, how big is your market, the machine, so the tech, you know, what's the USP, what, why specialise, the management, so who's your rock star team, um, who, what prior startup experience have they got, and then money, how much are you looking for? So that is slide three. Um, are, you, are you okay, Hayley, that I keep going? Because this might take a couple of minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm writing it down, so please don't stop, because I've got to go soon. <laughs> okay. All right, so um, slide four is why you exist. So sometimes problems can be too abstract. So you need to address this by personalizing it. So you're taking people from pain to gain. So what pain point are you solving? And you know, ensure that this problem comes across as your mission critical. So state any user and market research that you've got to back up that, that evidence. And then um, be clear that if this is a new problem your customers are dealing with or your potential clients, or is it an old problem, and what's your plan to bring a solution or, or be disruptive? And then the third point on slide four is 
normally if an investor gets involved, it's because one one of the following, they've you know had personal experience of the problem in the past or they understand your industry. There is a clear sense of ROI for them. And um, given their professional expertise, they understand, you know, what you're trying to achieve. Slide five is the kind of like, ta-da, it's like the, the, the slide that reveals why things are better now that you've brought this problem, you know, um, and you've got a solution for it. So remember that many decks, um, uh, how many decks that we that people get given every year. So you've got to make sure that yours stands out and doesn't get woolly and waffly. So um, the next point on that slide five is the solution needs to be graphically or visually represented. So you can, um, you know, have three stats up, for example, you can layer up um, a slide by saying, um, I've got 70%, 11 and 2.5 million. So that's all you need on that slide. Then you talk to those figures rather than layering up with loads of waffly, you know, intricate graphs and stuff that, you know, people just want to. So, um, so keep it really simple. Um, oh, Michaela, I'm just going to mute. Oh, somebody mute Michaela. Sorry, I've done it. I've, I've done it. Up. Um, and then um, focus on the business benefits of the solution and what they allow the customer to do. So not just what the product does. So do you save people time? Do you save them money? Can you generate new revenue? Explain what you know what why it's compelling to your customers. And then use um, user and market research to highlight benefits that lead into competitive advantage. So that puts you you know. Um, and that puts you above everybody else. So slide six is now let's get into it. Um, so there are five points on there and that could be represent and define the market you operate in, explain the market and subsectors, highlight the market and in turn the opportunity. So um, historical forecasting or market growth. And that again should be backed up with um, market research. And then use your current revenues to show your market share. So again, forecast what share you could obtain in three to five years. But obviously be realistic. You know, <laughs> always we see these things on Dragon's Den where they go and go, I've valued my co my company at 50 million. And they're like, well, where is where is the value? Where how have you you know got to that figure? So be realistic. You know, if you're selling widgets, your market size is not the total industrial retail mar market, is it? It's only the widget market. Um, so slide seven is uh, your tech or your product. So five points on there. They are the investors looking at. Um, you may not necessarily share your level of expertise. Um, so you've got to keep the explanation of technology simple. Um, next point is what is the technological, what is the technology or the product that you've built or that you're offering? Um, and why is it special? Why is it cutting edge? Uh, next point is what is the secret source? Um, next one is what is the IP? Have you got any patents? Um, can you back that up? Is, are they all in date? You know, all that sort of stuff. And then what are the regulatory considerations? If a regulated business, um, it, it, if it is, then have it on a separate slide with the regulations on. But again, always try and keep these visually impacting um, rather than too many words because um, you'll just lose people and they'll be nodding off in the background. Slide eight is the team. So um, 
obviously business is personal, the key people in the investor that the investor will be investing in. So who are they? What have they done? What's their authority? What credibility do they have? Have they walked the talk and, you know, trodden the path before? Why is this particular team right? Why did you bring them together to execute the opportunity? So highlight any experience that they've had, you know, in scaling or exiting, for example, uh, then highlight the experience of, of people working together. So what projects or collaborations have you guys done together? You know, is, has there been any history or is everybody just fresh to the table? Um, and then spend, you've got to kind of spend time getting this bit right because people buy people, right? So if you've got professional headshots, um, you know, make the slide look, the team look really slick. Um, and on this one, if any of your team have got individual achievements, you know, again, stick those out, uh, stick those on this on this slide. So slide nine. And for those people who have just joined the room, we're going through the PWC best practice pitch deck. So this is the, the template. The drill down is the financials. Um, uh, so you've you've got the operating revenue model of the business. So how do you make the money? Um, explain any fee structure or interactions between different revenue streams and quantify this as currently revenue or a percentage of current revenue. So including unit economics, for example, um, then ensure the business model is backed up by solid calculations and research. Don't just stick a finger in the air and stick a figure down. And again, graphically or visually bleh, represent the, the business model. Um, again, don't kill people with too many uh, layered graphs or, or slide, um, you know, figures that just don't make any sense because you've got to explain them. You know, you don't want to have a pitch deck where you're going, oh, look, I've got 35 slides. I've got seven minutes to pitch it to you. I'll, I'll just race through them all because like people are like, what? And you just blow their mind. Slide 10 is go to market. So explain your go to market strategy and highlight four points. Your customer acquisition strategy. How have you acquired your customers um, so far and, and how will that change? How do customers find you? So key, key sales and marketing channels and what are the customer acquisition costs for these channels? How do you convert leads and what are your conversion rates? And then what are your plans for sales and marketing going forward? And then what have you done to date? Evidence again through KPIs that, that this has sort of already been successful or you've done a dun, dummy run or a pilot, for example. Um, and again, they recommend, you know, use visuals to illustrate your go to market strategy. Nearly there. Slide 11 is know your competition. So acknowledge your competitors, show points of difference from your market research and then potentially use either traffic lights or a quadrant box or a matrix to highlight key features and differentiators between you and your competitors. And then discuss any evidence of barriers. So any fears, objections or doubts, you know, name the elephant in the room for your investors so that they're aware that you have considered it, even if you don't have all the answers. Um, slide 12. Uh, again, it's, this one is um, the second of your financial slide. So um, summarize your historical and forecast profit and loss accounts, drawing out key metrics and, you know, have two year um, prior actuals to five year forecast. Um, obviously, some of this, if you're a startup and you haven't had previous form, then some of this won't be relevant. Um, show your contracted revenue in the forecast period. Include a revenue bridge. So bridging revenue to date um, to the full year forecast outturn and then highlight forecast or cash burn 
and um, when you expect to become profitable slash break even. Um, and then uh, slide 13 is who else likes you? So don't be shy about using third party praise, get loads of testimonials up there, endorsements from well-known clients or, or other companies or influencers, um, tap into your network in LinkedIn, for example. Highlight your current pipeline, weighted or unweighted by stage of opportunities, and then show traction to date. So if you've, you know, you've been, again, like we said before, if you've had a pilot running or you've had, um, you know, uh, testers of your product, for example, and include stats such as um, revenue margins, growth engagement, ideally um, show that monthly if you can evidence that. And then the last point on that is highlight contracts signed or any key clients, including annual contracts or value, if relevant. So all of this, though, on this particular slide on slide 13 has to be verified. So you can't you can't BS anybody and you can't make it up because that's just idiotic um, in my book. Right. Slide 14 is the ask. So what's the call to action? What's the ask? Describe your funding history and the amount that you're looking to raise. Who are your current investors and how much have you raised to date? What round are you on? Um, uh, include the names, especially if they're influencers and uh, or have huge credibility and influence in the industry. And then explain your funds for the raise using a visual. So make sure um, it's aligned to your financial model and including key hires as well. Um, discuss the... Discuss the key milestones, so product revenue, new markets that you plan to hit in the next 12 to 24 months. But don't put a valuation on this slide um, because it can be misleading. That, that's their advice. And then slide 15 is the finale. So conclude your pitch. You close the loop. Um, highlight your key points and your asks of the presentation. Um, and then uh, leave the investor with a memorable message and a takeaway to encourage them to, you know, be engaged and, and want to follow up with you. Um, and perhaps you can demonstrate something of interest on your website. So it takes them there and, and you know, there might be some more information that, that you should have had in your pitch deck, but without over bombarding people. And then obviously add your contact details and just say, you know, please register your interest if you're pitching to a room of people so that they can take that info away with them. So remember that the, the deck is your first impression and um, and make sure that the investor knows what the next steps are that, you know, if anyone's interested, you know, we can share the business plan with you, whatever that looks like. And slide 16 is thanks very much. Thanks for coming. It's the big thank you. And that is the end. Back to you, H. Nichelle, that was absolutely brilliant. And you're probably going to be flooded with messages. So can we just ask, are you going to be OK if anyone are you all right to send that to people if they drop you a, an inbox? Is that OK? Yeah, probably the quickest way is um, send me their email address and I'll do one round robin email and ping it out to everybody. Brilliant. So if you're here or in the audience or on stage, whatever, that is the most value you're going to get from from Clubhouse at the moment. I, I absolutely believe that. So, yeah, take it. But I've got to shoot. I'm going to hand over to Carol. She's going to do us a little uh, reset and um, talk a little bit about our sponsor and then I'll let you guys move on. I hope you all have a lovely weekend. Thanks, you, Bye.
Yeah, thanks, Hayley. Um, quick refresh of the room. You're in the Entrepreneur and Leaders room. If you're not part of the uh, group, click on the green monopoly. This room is sponsored every week by Big Doug, that, who provide incredible deals on shelving and racking. And they've been a great supporter and sponsor of you know, I was adding um, EasyBuild to the Access Group and I was just clicking through the slides as you were speaking. So everyone, what Nichelle has shared is exactly what you need to be mindful of when you are pitching. Some really good points. Um, and again, it's about how you you've got to you've got to show that investor that you believe you're not just here just to get some money. You've done your homework and everything that you present in that deck and that one to 16 has to be, you've got to be prepared to answer the questions. You've got to sit over those numbers. So if you're doing the whole financial forecasting of where the business has been the last, the previous three years and where it's going the next two or three years, depending on what product or services that you're providing has to be on point. They will ask you questions. So you've got to have your commentary correct. Why is why should they invest in you? What's the increase in revenue that you're going to be able to say that you, that investment is going to give to um, to you know to the investor? So it is so so important. And uh, yeah, Michelle, you've, Michelle, you've done a great great way of um, of setting that out. And um, and I hope that from from Alex's perspective, that was really really uh, a good insight as well. So, Alex, how how did you find that? Was it a bit overwhelming? Alex? Oops, no, no, that all made sense. Um, yeah, it was quite good, actually. So I've used a slightly different template for crowdfunding, but, um, yeah, it's good to see that there's a template for standard raising as well. Um, so, yeah, I'll definitely have a look and I'll, I'll message Nichelle. Right, brilliant, brilliant. Harrison, can I ask you to talk about how you'd go about uh, seed investment? Through or Cedars? Pick? Cedars, sorry, my darling, Cedars. Yeah. Um, so with Cedars, um, as Alex probably knows at, at the moment, how it works, which I, I didn't have a clue, obviously, before I started, is you need um, a substantial amount really already kind of pledged to your investment round. And the reason being, if you were to start like a, a Cedars campaign and it started on, say, if you're looking for 200,000 and it started when it went live, it started on 0% funded, it just doesn't really pull any, anyone in. So really, you want to be starting... Um, if possible, at kind of like 65 plus percent um, already funded. So we went for, a, a, I think it was a quarter of a million pounds, and we had um, 120, I think, already raised. And then you do a pre-raise. A pre There's a lot of pre-everything here. You then do like a pre-raise where you send it out to maybe people you know and any contacts you've got in the industry, which goes out to all of these um, these people before it goes live, and then see if there's anyone that would be interested in pledging so then you may, we had like another 50,000, which people said, yeah, we would be interested when it goes live. And then you kind of click the button, it goes live. And then it's all about really you bringing in the money. So again, before I started, I kind of thought if you, if you go with one of these online um, fundraising platforms, kind of you, you go live and then money just kind of floods in from their um, investors that are already listed with them. It's not really like that. I, I reckon out of the 250, um, I probably raised 220. What it really is, is it's the um, it's the Cedars kind of, uh, the way they were able to facilitate multiple investors investing into your company, which would be quite probably a bit harder if you were doing it yourself through solicitors and lawyers. It's just a very easy way of people being able to put in 
100 pounds, 20 pounds, 1,000 pounds. Um, so really, it's the platform that you're paying for. And obviously, there is a, a database of investors. But I, I know people that have used Cedars and they kind of solely relied on that and their campaigns didn't, um, they didn't kind of go through. So as long as you're willing to kind of get it out there, approach everyone that you know, um, then yeah, it can work. And it is an amazing platform. Like ours worked. I was, I was, um, yeah, I was over the moon when we, when we hit our target. So it's a brilliant one to use. And Harrison, is there, um, you know, I, I, I've heard there's like seed legals that is one that comes up quite a bit in terms of that it has all the, the necessary components in terms of tax benefits for an investor. Are you able to share a little bit about that as well as part of that process? Yeah, sure. So I don't know the exact um, kind of margins where it fits in, but there's EIS and then there's SEIS. So when you first start, SEIS is, if I remember correctly, an investor can invest, let's say, £100,000. And if, they, if, you, if you fit all the criteria, that investor will actually get 50% of that investment back. So it is a pretty amazing government scheme. So really, they're actually only investing half the money. They can they can basically offset that investment, I think, in their tax calculations. So they would literally get the 50000 back, or if they had a big tax bill, they wouldn't pay that 50000 in tax. Then when you step up an, a level, again, I'm not sure the exact criteria in business, it then goes to EIS, um, and you can, you can use that scheme to approach investors as well. So that then drops to 30%. So again, if someone invests £100,000, they'd get 30% back, so they get 30 grand back. So it's, it's a pretty... It's a pretty amazing scheme, to be fair. And there's also other parts involved where if the company did go under in a certain amount of years, I think they're, they're able to offset their loss again against any tax in that year. So um, if, if you haven't already, which I'm sure you have, definitely look into it because it makes it well much more appealing to any investor if you're part of those schemes. Oh, brilliant. Thank you, Harrison. And um, I would be rude if I didn't go across to Dean. And I'm hoping Dean's available to get some insight from his side as well, just to help um, Alex and maybe others on, on stage. Dean? I am. I am. I just literally jumped, jumped on after being abused by Michaela. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not physically. Um, yeah. No, physically, not. Oh, don't let your signal let us down. Oh, yeah. uh, we're getting yes, a red bar. There we go. Can you hear me now? Okay. Was, was, there, was there a particular part? Was it, you want me to carry on Well, with just EIS in terms of, you know, we're talking EIS pitch or... decks and we're talking about investments. So, you know, you, you've got a lot of experience on that, you know, that you can share. Michelle's gone about, talked about extensively on what the pitch deck at least needs to look like. So anything that you can give along that side and then, you know, how to go about getting the investment. Yeah, sure. Um, I do see lots of pitch decks, probably too many, too many come through. I don't get to read them all, but um, I've seen some amazing decks, like in, in, in terms of how they've been put together, uh, some great detail on them. But when when you start to to read through a deck, I need to I need to feel a story. I need to feel that it's it's pulling me in, and I'm believing what they're selling me. And in terms of this could be the next whatever, or 
this market, not, not just look, look at this total addressable market, it's huge, we can do this, and we can, right, a lot of those numbers are just putting your fingers in the air and saying, right, okay, we can pick a big number and it sounds amazing, but it's really when they understand their competition and they understand their placement in the market and how they're going to leverage to transcend whoever else is in that space at that time. And what's what's kind of unique about them, a lot of the, 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 the businesses I've invested in over the years, probably haven't actually had the best decks, but they've had the best people. And it was enough to say, right, okay, this is intriguing. Can I have a look at this? I want a, want a bit more information. Then I would meet with those individuals. And I don't think until you meet someone and have a conversation with them, you know, you can really start to join the dots in the deck anyway. So you've just got, you've just got to say, right, it's something I understand. I, yeah, I can, I can see the thought process behind this. What problem are they solving? You know, what's their target market? What does that solution look like? Is it, is it just a new idea? Have they got traction in the space? If they've got traction, what does that look like? You know, how many businesses are they working with? How long did it get to, you know, return on investment on those? How long does it actually take to sand pit and onboard somebody? And then on top of that, what's your, what's, what's your, your marketing, your sales strategy? How, how are you going to go out to the space and how are you going to make sure that you do continue to bring in this business? And then I want to look at things like, um, the, what they expect to be the churn, because it's all right winning business, but are you going to keep business? Where's your client expansion? What else can you do off the back of this product or this service that you're offering at that time? And then it's, you know, it's it's financials, it's looking at teams, it's, uh, you know, trying to see what, what you're getting for your money when you put money into that. A lot of the time financials, look, I've, I've done millions of cash flows with my FDs and um, loads of projections. And I know the moment I write it or they write it and we agree it, it's wrong because nobody hit, ever hits it to the pound. It's just it's just it's just a line of where your expectations are. And, I, and I, I just want to make sure that that team or that individual, whoever I'm speaking to, can give me some some firm foundations to that. So I can believe in that line and actually believe that it's something that they, they, they can do more than. So there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of parts, moving parts to a deck. A deck is one thing um that's just a hook to get your attention i don't want a deck to be super super uh detailed with loads and loads of financials i just want enough to be able to say right okay i want to meet those people or i want to have a conversation or i i, I may just want to ask so I'm, I'm looking at a couple of acquisitions at the moment and we, we've had lots of questions going back and forth i've got data rooms but until i sat down with the the team and the people there it was still quite difficult to to connect some of that. So I think that's for, for me, that's always been the most important thing because when you invest in a business, you're generally investing in people. And then, and then it just comes down to what you're investing, what you're what you're getting for your money, what that might look like in terms of returns over the years. And and kind of you you, you take a punt because it is always a leap of faith. There's no guarantees in this at all. Oh, that's brilliant, Dean. Brilliant. Um Question, you know, would, you know, and there's a lot of people in the audience, from your experience, would you get the deck in advance? Would you want to see that deck in advance of the <clears throat> the person pitching to you? Or would you want, you know, the pitch to be done, you know, cold? You know, first time you're going to see them is the first time you're going to see the deck. What's the advantage and disadvantage? Um, for me personally, in terms of what I, I like to see, I like a bit of information first. Um, because I'm somebody who likes to think through a process and 
have various different questions that that, that I might want to ask and, and challenge on it because that's 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 the big thing. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge anybody um, on their positioning, and I want to see how comfortable they feel with that challenge, uh, whether they've thought it through. Um, when when you you get a cold pitch, I don't mind a cold pitch if somebody pitches well. Um, it's it's a bit back and forth. I quite I quite like that. But but then after that, I'm still going to ask for them to put down some information. So I don't like to drag things out. So if they if they were able to give me just enough information for me to put some questions down and then then pitch around that, that's 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 a better scenario for me. But I've I've had both um, a business I invested in a few years ago, which is doing phenomenally well at the moment. Um, I really didn't even have a deck. I, I met met with the chap in a members club in London, not dodgy members club, the business members club. And uh, we went through his numbers. He had a spreadsheet. He talked about what he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it, but didn't know how to put the best foot forward, but wanted to raise some money. Um, and I bought into him. And it was it was it turned out to be an amazing investment because he still is that person at the front of that business. He still is that person. I'm his mentor. I sit on his board and they're, do, they're doing phenomenally well. So for me, sometimes that can work, but you've got to be really confident that you you can pitch your business and you can pitch me you because, you know, you sell to the heart and the wallet will follow. I'm, I'm buying the emotion of attachment to that individual because I believe that person can do something special in the future. So uh, preference is to have something first because it just puts me in a, in a more for warned, forearmed position for, for conversation, but I, I can deal with both. Well, that's a great answer. I've just written down your quote, sell to the heart and Dean's wallet will fly. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, that's that's really insightful, um, what you've said. And I'm, I'm just reflecting, um, you know, my, my previous, well, my experience was, I was selling, um, well, actually selling the whole company, right? So it wasn't looking for investment. It was actually selling the whole company. And what we did at the time, um, because we could, was because one of the shareholders already had a business and their firm of accountants was Grant Thornton. So they took away that whole process of producing the information memorandum about the company and that whole pitch deck was put together. Then it was put out to market to the top five would-be buyers so it's really interesting you know what you've shared now this is a great conversation and I want everyone to get the opportunity of asking questions so Michelle stop putting things in the back chat and I'll I'll steam your question yourself Michelle oh I'm on a zoom hey sorry sorry right Dean I'll have to ask you the question (laughs) Hold on a second. She's embarrassed me now. Right. Ask right, ask him about return on investment. Do you have a sliding scale, for example? I can't speak. Now I've just saw that bill. <laughs> Do you have a sliding scale, Dean, for return on investment? Um it's it's a difficult because when you're when you're doing seed funding and the kind of levels that um I generally go into a business at. Yeah, I'm I'm looking for a minimum of five times my money back. Personally, in my in my head, I've got to see that there's an opportunity to get five times my money back. Um, in in the investment I was just talking about a moment ago, I will probably get back about three hundred times my money. 
Um, so that's that's a decent investment. So you you, you know they're not all going to make that. So some will be low and some will be high. If you're working with private equity, they normally work on a two and a half, three times that they what they want to return the investment in terms of their money. I wouldn't invest in anything that I couldn't get three times my money back on, or I didn't feel there was a, there was an opportunity to get that. So it's it's difficult. It's, it is a little bit horses for courses um, because if you're going in seed, you're expecting super high growth and your your reason you're, you're going in at seed or seis or even eis i mean eis i think you can raise is it 12 or 15 million over the lifetime but you know you're still getting people put a million pounds in in a year if they're doing eis so um you're you're you're, you're still expecting a higher rate of return i think than private equity so you're going to be looking at five times plus if that helps but what period would you be looking at your return? So you say, you know, five times. Is that within, you know, if, if they're presenting in a, a, a three-year model, are you saying at the end of the three, you're, you're calculating, right, I'm going to put X in here and over what they presented, the, the growth of the business in three years' time? or I do, I do, I do it on a five-year because I don't think you can time sales. Um, you know, I do it, one, one of the things I talk about when – interviewed on things and whatever else is that i did sell a business in under three years but i i'm still the only person to in my sector to do that from zero to um an eight figure sale um in in under three years but when i look back and it's all great i can sit there and say oh it was amazing and i've done all these things but then I, i just look back at points in time that if it had been a year before a year after might not have happened or those certain things so i would always look for five years i'd i I work with some businesses and you know, I'm going to sell in three years. I like, you're not going to be ready in three years. You're not, your, your, your systems aren't ready. Your structures aren't ready. If I'm going to, if someone's going to buy your business, they generally look at it and say, right, okay. Um, is that model resilient? Yes, it is. Right. Okay. There's, there's a tick in a box. Is it something that's repeatable? So I can bring people in and they can learn that process over and over again so that we can churn that out. Is it replicable? Can I pick it up and put it somewhere else into a, another country or another zone? Right. Okay. Then I can industrialize those services. That's easy to sell because people understand those standard operating procedures. They look at the business and they say, look, if it, even if it, all the you know, C-suite get run over by a bus because they're out celebrating, I can still run this business. And I think sometimes from zero to three years, you're just not in that position. You just haven't structured it properly. And especially if you want to sell and walk away, um, you're never going to have time to succession plan and get the right people in place. So I would, I would generally look at it um at five year if i can if it get out in three years brilliant but um my my kind of my calculations on five years if it goes seven and it's still growing i'm not disappointed oh that's brilliant brilliant response and and i'll I'll leave you alone after this question you know and it's you know when, when people look at investing so we're talking about you know pitch deck looking for investment and you know you've got an investor you've done your bit and you want them to come in from your perspective you know, if you're investing and you feel like, oh, my God, this is really good. Is there an element that you feel that you need to get involved and sit and, and contribute to that growth? Or do you are you very much? No, I believe in what I've seen in the deck. Um, I'm going to write out my check and uh, allow what I've seen to take place. Um, that's one question. And then the next question is how, you know, as an investor, you know, that you've done now, how regular would you want to get an update from and we're talking about some people that are here that may be looking for investment and they probably don't know, OK, I've got the investment. What kind of update would an investor look for on a regular basis? 
So on, on, on the first question, um, where I've lost money in life and um, has been e investing in things that I have zero control over or um, I, I, don't, I don't fully understand. Many years ago when I, when I, when I sold my first business, um, I put a lot of money with UBS and you, you think you're with this great bank and, and, and they just were rubbish and they lost money. And, and they lost me a lot of money on some things and I decided then that I would restructure that and I would always only invest in things that I could control or I felt were a safe asset. So in all the businesses I invest in personally, it has to be something that I'd, I understand and I can add value to. And that can be in two forms in terms of domain knowledge, market knowledge, sector knowledge, um, just, just, just business acumen. But the second part is sometimes, uh, which, which I do for a few businesses, is uh, not just being a board member, but being there with the CEO, helping the CEO become a, a, a real CEO, a good CEO, um, delegating the right tasks, understanding how they can blue sky about their business, but still be, you know, active in their business, making sure that they, they are prioritizing the right things and, and, and achieving things that they've set out to do. So I, I don't want to run the business for someone. Same as private equity. Private equity never want to run your business. They might be an absolute pain in the ass. They might have things in their terms and conditions like swamping rights, i.e. you miss these targets, we can put two people on the board and make your life difficult. But when all said and done, they're just number engineers. They don't want to run your business. I don't want to run anybody's business, but I do want to be informed enough and in a, in a position where if there was an issue or a problem, I feel I could add value. So when any, whenever I invest in a business, I always do it on the basis of, yes, it's a good business. I think I can get return on investment. I like the team. I like their story. I believe in that sector and I can influence some changes there. So that's my first thing. In terms of updates, um, I think, you know, in, in, in the business I work with where they've got lots of kind of arm's length, SEI, SEIS investors, they get a quarterly update on the numbers. It's just, you know, they've, they've, they've whacked in, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 pounds and they, they've kind of just left it and, and they'll get their update. Um, and and they, they, might, they might, the odd one might call or, or whatever else to speak to those businesses. For me personally, if, if it's a business I'm actively involved in, it's minimum um, of monthly and understanding where they are on a monthly basis, uh, because I generally end up sitting on the boards um, with, the, with the businesses I work with. I, I'm getting the cash flows and everything else. But I also want to speak to the CEO. So um, again, it, it ends up, you end up being a mentor, you speak to them quite often, but I would want to speak to the CEO, even if it's five or 10 minutes, uh, each a month just just to have a conversation just just to listen to the to, to their voice and say right okay because, it, because the other part of that is they know that call's coming they know they've got to send you information they know they've got to justify the good and the bad and the ugly and they've got to give you that confidence that the market is going in the right way they're going to do the right things and then and then take some feedback so it just it just keeps people a little bit on their toes but I think as when, you, when you're a CEO of a business, you need to be challenged in the right way by the right people just to keep your, your, your mind clear and sharp. Dean, oh, honestly, it's been um, really, really insightful and really glad that, you know, 
the lovely Michaela Nagju to come in here because, you know, there's been so many messages coming through the back channel in terms of, you know, your experience and, and what you've shared as well. And, and the same thing from, from Harrison as well. Harrison's been some really great feedback. Now, I do know that the lovely Michelle is um, off her Zoom call and she's nagging me for another question. Uh, just before we um, go to Michelle, you are in the entrepreneur and leaders room, right? So, you know, the, the talks sort of topics that we talk about are so invaluable. Uh, this room is run on a weekly basis by the lovely Michaela Wayne and Hayley Roberts, who's not been able to, well, she's joined us, but she's had to leave earlier. The room is um, sponsored by Big Doug. They provide incredible deals on shelving racks. Their link is in the, the chat at the top of the room. So as I said, we're talking today about pitch deck investment advice, because there's a number of people that, you know, are looking at starting up a business or actually in the realms of looking at for investments. So this afternoon we've been talking about how to put your pitch deck together um, and how to go about investment advice. And uh, it's been very, very informative in terms of what's been coming across. So, Nichelle, I will hand over the mic to you quickly, my lovely. Thanks, Carol. Dean, this is gold. Thank you for being here. Um, so are there any pitfalls with um, investors like having too many? Maybe there's a clash of, of opinion, direction of how they see something going. Are there any sort of, you know, hiccups that you've ever come across where it's kind of ruined the original vision or anything? <laughs> Loads. <laughs> um, it's it, it is a different. I think you've you've got to work out when you're when you're going through, especially when 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 businesses are going through early investment, and they I don't know they they, they meet Dean Kelly and they think oh he's, he's he's got a few bob he might be able to put some money into my business, but they don't really know my background and I'm a bit forceful and I say right well I want a position on your board and I want, and then they they find somebody else who's really good who could really help their business, but is going to clash with Dean, that that can cause issues. And I've seen that before. So I think you vet your investors. You make sure that they, um, are, if, if they want to be arm's length and just put money in, it, does, it doesn't matter. But if they're people that you're going to work with and they're putting a material amount of money in, or there's somebody that you're going to have on your board, um, and it's exactly the same if you sell your business to private equity. When, I, when I've done the beauty parade, selling businesses to private equity, um, it's not just about who's going to offer the most money. Hopefully, you know, it's the right people going to offer the most money. But if they're people that you're going to stay with, and you're going to work with, um, you've got to feel comfortable that in the tough times, because that's when it counts. Um, and when you do your legals in, 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 a, in a private equity sale and you, you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's and there's all these different covenants and warranties and everything else in there, they should never matter unless there's a problem, a real big problem. And you want to know that the people you're on a board with that are investing in your business are people you can sit down and have an open, honest conversation with and are pragmatic enough to, to realise that it's not, it might not be your fault, it might be a change in the market, it might be war, there might be supply chain issues, whatever it might be. So, so you do have to vet investors. You know, not all money is good money, like all business isn't good business. So I've seen that. I'll give you a good example, actually. Um, so when I, when I sold my last business, I had three years of covenants where I was out of the market. I did some work with private equity and others who were looking at buying recruitment companies. Um, I invested in some businesses. I was doing advisory for an app called Debut. Um, and it's very, I don't know if anyone's come across it, it was a very, very, um, it's a fast growing app in the uh, milk ground university, getting, getting people jobs. And it was very good at waiting in terms of demographics and back 
background and that, that was what they wanted to do. And I'd done some work with the Behavioural Insights team um, on uh, behavioural science. So the, the, the young CEO there contacted me the day I went and met him in his office in Old Street. He was, he was on Sky News, he was on the front page of the FT. So they were getting some really decent press. Got on really well with him. Didn't see immediate synergies in what, what I could do for him, what he could do for me. Then he asked me to be an advisor. I did that. He was going to give me some free shares. I wasn't 100% sure about I, I just know that sector can't be very big. You know, you're not going to get, and I know, you know, what Milk Crown sold for and others. You just, you really have to branch out into something else to make to make serious money. Anyway, I rolled that forward um, a couple of years later uh, after I stopped working with him. And, and that was more because he was dishing out some some shares to me and the guy who sold Indeed wanted to put a lot of money in and we had a bit of a, like, a back and forth. And I said, look, do you know what? It's fine. I've got I've got other things to do. You you, you just go with the board members you want to go with. And um, stayed in contact with the, the, the CEO, this young guy, and kind of kind of did a little bit of mentoring for him. And he got offered money by, and I, I thought about whether I'm going to say the name, but I'm going to, James Kahn. Um, now, in my sector, James Kahn is not a trusted or well-liked individual. Um, and he's been around my sector for a long time. Oh, I love the gossip, Dean. This is what I'm here for. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I don't, do, do you know what? I met James. I've had lunch with James. Uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the most disingenuous Machiavellian people I've ever met. But that's not, that's, you know, I'm just, just putting it out there. Um, <laughs> so Don't hold back, Dean. Oh, there, there's more, but I won't say it. <laughs> Um, but so he offered him one and a half million to put in in the next funding round. And he phoned me and he said, Dean, I know what you said about this chap before. Should I? Absolutely. No way. He will screw you out of his business, your business because he's done that to people before. Anyway, long story short, six months later, he's on the phone to me. He's been screwed out of his business. Uh, when, they, when they went into what's called reverse vesting, so he kind of lost his original vesting. And then he has to hit targets to get his vesting back. Um, he ended up, I don't know how, what valuation on the business was, but he, he got £150,000. And, and, and I, I still speak to this guy from time to time, and it ruined him for a year. You know, he was depressed and all these different things. But if you pick the wrong investor and you don't do your due diligence, when I, when I sold my last business and I was looking at PE, I went and took references. I even searched people they didn't give me as a reference, and I went and spoke to them. Because you've got to be sure, because... If they're people that um, have a history of uh, making those types of moves, and, and a couple of PE houses that, that, that I was speaking to did, so I was then right. Okay, well, I want I want in, in, um, into investing. I want um, you know investing not after five years. I want it after three years. I want fifty percent. Then just things that would protect you along the way, because if they're still a good, good group of people to deal with but they can be sharp should things go wrong. There are things you can do, but you're not gonna know that unless you do your due diligence and your vetting right at the beginning. So it can make a difference, um, but I would always do DD, um, and, and especially on tire kickers, because people will waste your time. So hopefully that helps. Superb, and I think Michelle's got a follow-up. Just conscious that we've slightly overrun the room. So once Michelle has uh, asked the question, and, and Dean, this is what happens when you don't come in often, right? Everyone wants a piece of you, so uh, thanks for joining anyway. But go over to you, Michelle. Michelle? No, okay, so Michelle's not going to answer the next question. Dean, thank you very much. Is there anyone, Alex, do you want to ask any more further questions? Harrison, before we wrap up the room. Oh, Michelle, you're back. 
sorry, I just lost connection there. Um, yeah, if, if it's okay, really quickly. So, um, Dean, uh, uh, I like. I'm just gonna go back to the word that you like. You said that you're quite forceful and you um, demand positions on the board. What do I need to do to get you on the potential board of the school? <laughs> I know you were looking for a governor position as well, so I'll take either. Um, I don't know. In in terms of schools, I've turned down loads of positions to join school boards. Um, just just purely sometimes conflicts of interest, but I. I struggle with schools, if, you know, not that I work in that market, I know, but um, I just, I struggle with how insular they are, the lack of business acumen. Um, so I, I, look, being being forceful and, and being someone who can get frustrated quite quickly, not, not, not in a horrible way, but just with um, a, a kind of sector that can be quite blinkered and insular in terms of they, they really believe they're doing the right thing, but they won't listen to anything else. So you have to kind of end up working around that. I've just avoided that for that for that reason. I mean, it, even many years ago, the AET, which I know you, you've spoken with David Triggs, um, he asked me a couple of times and I went and sat with his board and spoke to his board, not, not about any, anything other than what what I did, but how that actually you know worked across the schools, how we could put a solution there. Actually, we looked at doing a massive outsourcing solution and I got Deloitte's involved and I got GEMS involved. And we were going to take these 77 schools and run their back office. And so we could create umbrellas. And there's always things, this idea. And then you get a counter one from PwC with one of the board members. And I just thought, do you know what? There's, there's a lot of people vying, vying for power and position and uh, pats on the back, but actually not much in a way of execution. So I've just avoided it, to be fair. So it's not, I don't know. I, 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 I'll have to think that one through because I've not, should we take that as a no then to do? Well, no, just saying it's a state sector because this isn't state sector, is it? Well, in the words of MS, this is not just any school. So I'll come back to you. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone that's uh, participated this afternoon. And this is why this room is just so valuable under the entrepreneur and leaders. We've got some experts that walk the walk, talk to talk, has got the experience that we then pour into um, businesses. So thank you so much for joining this afternoon. Thank you, Harrison, Michelle, Michaela, Elliot, um, Dean, and, and Alex for asking the question, because you know the questions that you asked opened a lot of um, wisdom from, from everyone that's been on stage. So really, really appreciate it. We will be here next week um and um yeah so click on the green monopoly to see what the rooms are coming up as part of entrepreneur and leaders we have a number of rooms that are run during the week i think we've got maybe on average two rooms um a day which is really good so the community is growing and uh, yeah we'd love to see you here this time next week for another women in business and michaela will be around she won't be doing her nails she'll be there talking to everyone Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I'm a tease. <laughs> Brilliant, but you deserve it. Michaela um, has been very, very busy this week. I will just add, she's been at the UK um, Construction Week and she's been on a number of discussions, flying the flag for the wonderful women in construction. So, um, you know, she deserves to have a bit of a, a chillax um, today. So thank you, for Michelle, um, Michaela, for doing what you do so well for the sector as well. So, on that note, I am going to end the room and wish you all a lovely weekend and uh, yeah, tune in next week. Thanks, everyone.